Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. We're all here. It's a real show. Enjoy it. Soak it in. I'm Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince, and we're going to talk about the DC Comics released on Valentine's Day. My friend Chad Bauer's birthday, February fourteenth, twenty eighteen. But first, we got to talk about some DC news, and we're actually going to start with with something from from DC's competition from Marvel uh, announced today on. Uh, on, on Newsarama and on various other um, comic platforms, Marvel is, as of May, going to be relaunching, rebranding yet again. The new uh, initiative is called A Fresh Start, or A Fresh Start. I don't know if there's an A in there. Um, the the information coming out is a little bit muddled. It, it hasn't been confirmed whether all the books are getting relaunched or just some of the books are getting relaunched. We know that they're being relaunched, but they're still keeping their uh, legacy numbering. So there's going to be like Avengers number one slash six eighty nine or whatever. It's it's very very odd. Um, we know there's a couple new creative teams coming, and we also know that this is Marvel's eight hundred ninety fifth relaunch in the last year and a half. Boys, what do you think about this? Uh, what do we, what do I think about what there, there ain't much here. <laughs> I mean, they're treating this like this is rebirth essentially. Well, but it's interesting cause they were also treating legacy sort of like it was <laughs> rebirth, rebirth, yeah. <laughs> and which like Marvel now and all new, yeah. all different Marvel now, whatever. Yeah. Which, which treating is like, it like a new start. Yeah. <laughs> a new start. Yeah. Um, <laughs> This feels so much like, oh, C.B. Belusky's in charge now, so now we have to course correct. This was not, like, planned at all, you know? Yeah. This feels like a rush job. Um, I think that Jason Aaron was always planned to be on Thor. I mean, not Thor, sorry, Avengers. Avengers, Yeah. But I feel like that it probably would have started sooner, but they scrapped whatever incarnation that was going to be to make this new um you know this new i'm trying to be genteel about this um initiative i'm I'm wearing the kids gloves yeah sure initiative fine i mean this is this is a thing you know if you like just comics are good again you know (laughs) I just I said this on Twitter earlier, but I just feel like this is, you know, every one to two years, either Dan DiDio and Jim Lee or uh, whoever the editor is at Marvel, whether it was Axel Alonso or C.B. Cebulski and Tom Brevoort have to tr- like trot themselves out and grovel at our feet and say, we're sorry, we're sorry, we'll never do it again. This is this is it now. This is where you start. And they have to just do this every two years now. But but this isn't every two years for Marvel. This is twice a well, year I know. for Marvel. Yeah, I'm just that's yeah. Yes, I know. But I think that, I think that, that that there is a, a distinction that needs to be talked about there because you know obviously this is cyclical. Obviously these sorts of relaunches happen, and and you know to sit here and just complain and say that nothing should ever be relaunched and all that that's unrealistic. We understand that. It, this just seems to me to be an unbelievable amount of relaunches in the last couple of years. This is less than eight months after Legacy started. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a laughably short period of time. 
Right. Can I, can I tell you guys what I will? I don't understand at all. Go for it. I don't. I don't think you can. Well, if I don't understand it, how can I explain it to That's you? That's true. First of all, <laughs> no. Go for it. I, I don't understand why, and I'm not the first person to have ever thought of this or say this. Of course, I I understand that, but like. What I don't get is why, if we're going to do this seemingly at random relaunching, why Marvel and DC? Because now DC is about to do it again uh, with Superman and with Justice League, Ju- Justice League apparently, and probably you know probably eventually some of, some of the other franchises. I'm I'm guessing that sometime soon we're going to be getting relaunched Green Lantern stuff. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. probably beyond the Bendis, let the Bendis stuff clear, and then they'll probably do Green Lantern with somebody. But um, why they don't just go with a outwardly stated sort of Hellboy running series of miniseries sort of policy. And I, what I mean is not like six issue miniseries and then relaunches but like say you know uh if tom king is going to be on batman for 100 issues when 100 issues is up we know that it's going to relaunch with a new number one and now this is a new volume of batman with an all-new creative team it's not rebooting anything which i don't think marvel is you know marvel is pretty consistent about not rebooting but like planned it just seems so haphazard, you know. Like, well, all these Marvel, ti- all these Marvel titles are getting new number ones, and a bunch of them are going to have their same creative teams, probably. You know. Yeah. It seems to be there seems to be no rhyme or reason for when they do this, and I just wish that both companies would come up with some sort of standard that that you know readers who are not as diligent or obsessed as we are could just know and figure out. You know. I, mean, I definitely agree with you. I, I don't think you're wrong there. I just think that there's a couple of things that come into play here. The first is that both DC and Marvel are very reticent to give up their hits. And I, you don't always know what's going to be a hit or not. Like, for instance, you know, Jeff Johns' Green Lantern was such a hit that despite the New 52 happening, none of his stuff was touched. And But it know, relaunched. It relaunched, yes, but but it sort of stuck out like a sore thumb because it wasn't, it wasn't getting the the treatment that the other books were getting, and I think that with something like, I'm trying to think of an example, okay, like Deathstroke, I think that Deathstroke was firmly planned to be to be one of these 18 issues and canceled series, uh-huh. but it took off, and so they wanted to be able to stick with it. So if you if you come out and say listen, we're, we have a two-year plan for these books, and then the book's a huge hit. I feel like they're, they'd be reticent to to end that. or to Because the, if you relaunch with the same creative team, then you're in the exact same position you were in before. Like a haphazard new number one for no reason, because it's still the same creative team and the same story being told. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. But then, but, so then let me, let me give you the flip side of that, though. Okay. Why, why, when Palmiotti and Connor left Harley Quinn, did they not relaunch with a new number one? Well, that's stupid. I agree with you there. Yeah, what is the lot? That's that's the part I'm missing. I'm not missing. I understand why something as popular as uh, 
Jeff Johns Green Lantern can launch with a new number one and it's no problem, even though it's the same creative team, essentially. I don't understand why they don't just say, you know what? The Palmiati and Connor run came to an end. They're going to, if you put Harley Quinn number one out on the stands with, you know, Frank Thierry or whoever the hell is writing it, and you throw a new number one on there, that only helps. That helps people differentiate one run from the other one. It helps sales because new number ones always sell more. I, I don't get, I don't, there's no rhyme or reason to, for DC or Marvel for when they do this, you know? Well, there doesn't, there doesn't seem to be. Marvel has been doing this cycle for a few years now that is reboot with new number ones or not necessarily reboot, but relaunch with new number ones. And then after, you know, maybe a year start moving numbers back as anniversaries come about. Right. Um, and then let that go for another year or so. And then new number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then but this then- time they did it, not even for anniversaries. They're just like, okay, well people want, legacy they want to feel like comics are the way they've always been so we'll give them the numbers back and now they're backtracking on that even if it's going to be some kind of like weird slash number thing whatever i don't know that's just weird too yeah um i really think that the answer with that is kind of the way dc's handling it where you know it's whatever number it is but then they'll like say like this is the special like they did with the flash, flash issue right yeah yeah you know, this is the 700th issue. It really doesn't mean anything, but yeah. here it is. Because, um, like, Marvel even confuses me more because, like, think about how many times between the start of Kelly Sue DeConnick's Captain Marvel to where it is now, mm-hmm. how many times did that relaunch? Like, three or four? I want to say this is the uh, fourth volume. Think... And yet you've got Gwenpool, which is up to, like, all the 30s or something 25. by now. 25 whatever it's canceled though right yeah that that's over now yeah it's just there just doesn't seem to be any re- well, like, why what was they- crazy was that when we had like spider gwen and thor and a few other books that had two volumes in one year do you remember yes. that yeah. like yeah. the secret wars the secret wars thing yes um yep a force th- that was another one squirrel girl i think yeah I feel like Marvel wants so badly to do a clean slate, all new number ones, new 52 thing, but they don't want the comparison, first of all, to the new 52. They don't want to actually reboot any of their stories, which I, I'm fine with that. I, yeah. I'm, a big, I'm a big believer that you can change a creative direction of a character in one issue by giving it a new creative team. Like I'm a big believer that you don't have to do clean slate. But what they end up doing is just randomly re- relaunching number ones haphazardly with no rhyme or reason, letting other books go on without new number ones, and none of it makes any sense and you can't follow any of it. And at least with DC, I'm not saying they're much better, but like at least with the Rebirth stuff now, if you go into the bookstore, if you go into Barnes & Noble and you look at the volumes of trades – at least you can see that, hey, these are all Rebirth. These were during Rebirth. Right. And and now that we've moved away from that, maybe they'll all get new trade dress, you know. I don't know if the tra- – I don't think any trades have come out since Rebirth ended yet. I don't believe so. Yeah, but 
they'll have some new trade dress that doesn't say rebirth. And at least then like people can go in the bookstore and they can go, Oh, volume one, two, three, four rebirth. This was all, this all took place here. It's easy for somebody to go in there and follow that, you know? Yeah. With Marvel, you, you, if you, unless you do the research, unless you have followed comics and understand how they work, you would go into a bookstore and you could see like, Captain Marvel Volume 1, uh, 2, and 3 trades, but they could all be from actual different volumes of runs of floppies. Yeah. You you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, I personally definitely take for granted how difficult it is to get into and follow comics just from having been in it so long. I was tooling around on the DC Comics writer today, and it's like every other thread is where, how do I start reading this character? Where, where do I start? How do I get into rebirth? Really like basic things that I definitely take for granted. So I can't, uh, I can't imagine. I don't know. Have you seen some of the, some of the stuff that like Scott Snyder, our friend of the show, Scott Snyder gets asked on Twitter and, and he's so helpful and so like responsive to these people who are like, I don't understand. Is Justice League rebooting? Is this a new continuity for the Justice League? Like, these are basic questions that you and I look at and go, well, no, like, because we follow comics and we we understand when something is rebooting and when it's not. And, but, but literally, people who you know maybe read a couple comics a month don't always know this stuff. Right. And I don't think DC and Marvel make it, make it very easy for them still to this day. No, I don't either. And I, I think that, you know, as we've been saying, DC is not perfect with this. But DC is just, to me, it seems like when DC is relaunching, they let you know in big, bold letters what is changing, what is different. It's There seems to be a clearer plan. Like, say we want about the New 52. There was a lot of negatives with that. But it was exactly what they said it was going to be. You know, it was, we're, we're bringing everything back to, to its, like, most basic, uh, you know, form. We're telling new stories. Nothing matters. New creators. New number ones. It's all that. And did it work? Well, not entirely. But for five years, they kept that mindset going. Even though there were numerous times within those five years, it would have been way better for them to pull the plug from a PR perspective. But they didn't. Mm-hmm. They kept it going. And then when they did their next relaunch, they made it very clear what that relaunch was all about. You know, they just... there. There's, to me, a much more definitive reason... To, not reason. There's much... There, there's, there's just... You sort of can see where DC is coming from with all of this in a very clear way. Whereas, I think if, if we played a game where we took, like, the press releases... For Marvel Now, all new Marvel Now, all new, all different Marvel Now, Legacy, and now Fresh Start, and we just like pulled a sentence from each one and said, which event is this from? We'd have no idea, because they're saying the exact mm. same thing every time. There's nothing new to these relaunches. Right. Yeah, and honestly, I think, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm semi-interested in this new Avengers just because... I love Jason Aaron and I do have a soft spot for Ed McGinnis and I did like the legacy 
um, issue. So I'm I'm like semi invested in this, but I also think that this just reeks to me of like Marvel dialing back on all of the things that they've been doing over the last few years, you know, to make a vocal group of fans happy. And to me, like, I feel like this, this relaunch or whatever you want to call it, if it flops, if it's not like a rebirth level success, then I don't know what Marvel's going to do. Like, what does Marvel do next? What can they do? Uh, bring in the Watchmen. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, really, like, if this, you know, this will do well at first. That Avengers book will probably be one of, if not the top selling books of the year, just due to over shipping and all that nonsense. But, um, yeah, like six months later, once all the hype dies down, what are they going to be left with? Yeah. I mean, that Avengers book does look pretty good because of the creative team. But you also have to realize, like, it is such a craven, uh, the hunter, joke, uh, no, it's just a craven, like, cash grab, because it, it gets rid of, uh, Ironheart, it gets rid of Falcon, there is no Falcon represented in that image that we saw, uh, it gets rid of the Jane Foster Thor, and it puts on, you know, T'Challa, which I... I'm all in favor of, but clearly is influenced by the film. It puts Doctor Strange in, again, clearly influenced by the film. Captain Marvel, who's going to be, you know, not coincidentally debuting in Avengers 4 next year. Um, and it seems like the one, like, the one character thrown in there for the comics fans, slash the people who like to see the characters grow and change, is the Robbie Reyes um, uh, Ghost Rider, which coincidentally is a franchise that you know hasn't been, or a character that hasn't been represented on screen aside from that Nicolas Cage you know series a couple ten years ago in a long time. So you can kind of take a chance there. But none of the characters. Well, he he was in Shield, right? Like not on the big screen, I guess. Oh, yeah. you're right. He yeah. was on Agents of Shield. He was in... about that. Yeah. Yep. Um... Forget what I said. This is just a pure. Uh... <laughs> a pure... <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like. I, I think part of it is that it, I don't know, it does service whatever Jason Aaron, like whatever story he's telling, but it is also, it's really interesting to me because this team is really, this is like backpedaling on, this is the most anti-Bendis Avengers team because it really is kind of backpedaling to the pre-Bendis Avengers. This is the first Avengers team that won't have a Spider-Man or Wolverine on it. Since mm, I didn't even think of that. That's an excellent point. And like having She-Hulk back on it, Iron Man's costume looks very like early two thousands. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> this is this is this is like a return to pre New Avengers Avengers. They're gonna make uh, the Defenders all like kill one another, <laughs> and Miles Morales is gonna die on the way back to his home planet and spider woman's well, gonna i don't know do something watch him yeah watch him just out of spite completely backpedal on every bendis thing which it is interesting that all of those bendis characters are featured on that like promotional art piece that jim chung piece uh-huh. um i don't know yeah marvel's in a weird place right now it's, it's also really weird we... to me like um 
the Luke Cage books are canceled. And uh, there are a number of their books that, again, like, Luke Cage has a very successful TV show right now. And is a classic character. And is, it's from what I understand, I haven't read this, this current volume, but I've heard it's quite good. It's David Walker writing it, who I like a lot. You know, if they can't make that character work, then how can they be expected to make a new character work ever? Oh, they can't. They, <laughs> they've shown that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic. Of the two books we know about, they both look good. Avengers looks good. Donny Cates and and uh, uh, Stegman on Venom looks good. If I gave half a shit about Venom, I would I would be excited for that creative team. But I just can't care about Venom in 2018. Oh, that's fair. Tom Hardy has something to say about that. <laughs> yeah, he does. Is he going to say it in a really weird, uh, unplaceable American accent? Let the symbiote begin. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the one he uses in the Venom trailer. Oh, I know. I, I, I just like making a Bane joke. Yeah. Of course. I just hope he grunts a lot, like in Mad Max. That's what I want. <laughs> I, hope, I hope he takes his pecker out, like in... Uh... <laughs> My dreams? Bron- Br- Bronson. Yeah. Bronson. I hope he just flies the whole time, like in, <laughs> like in Dunkirk. Uh, I hope he plays uh, two versions of himself, uh, British gangsters, like in that one uh, British gangster movie he was in as twins i hope he falls off a bridge in slow motion like um inception there you go yeah all right well let's talk about some dc news um so today as well wait what show is this (laughs) uh the dc3 cast i guess uh sorry make mine multiversity we uh we stepped on your shit there um so uh the DC solicits came out today, and there's a couple of noteworthy things. First of all, we have uh, Ben Percy and Chris Mooneyham taking over Nightwing, which is also going monthly. It's coming back. It's stopping its double shipping as of May. Um, ending in May are Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, a Bombshells United, and uh, much to our chagrin, Super Sons. Uh, we also have the return of Andy Diggle. On a Green Lantern's annual, which is something that is uh, that is crazy and uh, really cool. And uh, there was Zach. You had one other thing, right? You mentioned who was doing. Uh, yeah, Jim Lee is off Immortal Man as of issue number two. <laughs> yeah, you should. <laughs> and replaced by uh, Ryan Benjamin, which nothing against Ryan Benjamin, but that's about the biggest <laughs> one eighty you can make. Um, At least it's not Brett Booth. I don't know. Wow. I Well, I don't get... Here's the thing. These books are supposed to be like the masterclass artists, right? Yeah. Again, no offense to Ryan Benjamin. I don't think he's a masterclass... I don't think he's like... Are they saying he's a masterclass artist? No. One of these I, things he, is not like the other. Yeah, again, I don't mean any offense by that, but, like, they're going... What is the point of this whole initiative? <laughs> what? For Jim Lee to do one issue of a book, I guess. 
I mean, I the whole initiative. The further we get from its initial announcement, when it was called, what was it originally called? It wasn't the New Age of Heroes. It was uh, Dark, Dark Matter. Matter. The further we get from that initial Dark Matter announcement, the less sense it makes. Like that, yeah. that, that first announcement was like, hey, we have these great artists at DC. We're going to do a series of books that are going to highlight their art. We're going to have them be the the driving creative force behind it. And uh, yeah, that's going to be it. And then it's just everything has fallen apart since then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And who could have seen it coming? <laughs> yeah. It's, I, uh, I will give credit to, uh, to Uncle Rich, Rich Johnson of Bleeding Cool, who said very early on that he heard that it was going to be three issues apiece, apiece from these classic artists, and then that was going to be it. And I think a lot of us thought, like, it's going to be more than three issues. And like clockwork, after the first three issues of all the, all the series had been solicited to number four... The artist has changed on all of them. I don't. Um, I. I don't think Sideways has. Sideways is still Rockefeller. Is that been solicited past number three? I think issue four or five was in this one, right? Or okay. I think it was issue four. I thought. Well, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I. I will say that I might be mistaken. I will say that Rockefeller is uh, has worked more consistently than any of these guys have, and mm-hmm. is also probably at the low end of the superstar artist. Caliber in terms of name recognition and all that. Uh, although I happen yeah. to like his stuff more than a fair amount of these artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's still yeah. on issue four for this month. Good for him. That's or for, wild. For May, yeah. For May. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about sideways today, right? We are. Yeah. We are. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm. I want to dig in. Yeah, we'll get to that in a little while. Um. So I'm I'm saving the biggest one for the last year. Uh, back around the birds of prey. Is I believe it's it's uh will it be twenty? I think it's two. Twenty two is the last one. That sounds about right. Yeah, Zach, you got to remember these because we're gonna play a game <laughs> yeah. in, in like a year or two, and you're gonna have to remember all these. I'm plugging it in, filing it away, and my my uh whatever that weird Sherlock thing is. What yep. the the mental palace. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. So we're going to ask you and then you're going to be doing all those hand motions and you're going to hear uh, some Sousa music playing. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, what you guys don't see is that if we did a YouTube version of this mm-hmm. show, when we played that game, that's what you would see. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the greatest scene in the history of television? <laughs> um, two things about this one. One. Just tell me where uh, Kamone Shirahama's variant covers are going to be next. I want to know that. Agreed. If they're not going to be on this book. Second, uh, Tom King, I believe it was Tom King. It might have been Scott Snyder or somebody else, but I'm pretty sure it was Tom King. Was asked, uh, what are the things that you're most excited about DC in 2018 nope. like pl- like future plans for it 2018 neither of those guys it was okay um fuck it was it, it was in the multiversity like year in review stuff oh no 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 i'm talking about a tweet specifically oh okay because, because somebody mentioned what the bensons are doing next in that multiversity thing okay well i think we're i think we're talking about two different things but the same the, the answer was the same okay and they said what the what the bensons are doing next at dc so I'm really interested 
not just because because I don't I don't think Batgirl and the Birds of Prey has been great. No, we'll it's been about, we'll talk about that a little bit too. It's been passable, I think, but for the most part. Um, but it's wild to me that people are really excited about whatever they're doing next. So I'm pretty interested in what that's going to be. Even if I didn't like this book all that much. Yeah. Does that make sense? Sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure. I'll Um, fuck myself. (laughs) (laughs) I just, uh, I just actually am flipping through the solicit right now. And I saw the most important thing that was announced and I had missed it on the first time through final crisis. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A 10th anniversary omnibus. Yeah. With literally everything in it. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna end up buying that. God damn it! <laughs> um, Zach, any thoughts on Batgirl: The Birds of Prey? No, not one. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. No. Um, Wait, I we am... didn't talk about the mime and marionette figures. <laughs> yeah, oh God, geez. yeah. I. Um... Oh, we. Yeah. I, hey guys, in case you were worried, the comedian lives. <laughs> okay. <thanks. laughs> the comedian uh, is comedian is a piece of shit um no i uh i am shocked that background on the birds of prey made it this far because this has the like the trappings of a six issue dc series written all over it but rebirth let these titles go on for a long time and i think that this is an example of a book that got objectively better as time went on even if it never got great it, it did get better and the 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 time that was that was allotted to it improved its stature and so that's good i'm glad that this book got a chance to be something more than just its first arc which it would have been if it had been released a few years earlier um mm-hmm. that's my background the birds of prey opinion um andy diggle back at dc for a story that's a big deal yeah yeah that's I'd like to. I I understand why there wasn't much fanfare there because like, it's a It's not like An- Well, that and it's not like Andy Diggle is Brian Michael Bendis or anything, right? As far as for what it means for DC to get him back, but um, I think I certainly think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. What did what did his so he left action comics right and what did yes. he get did he get one or two issues out before he i don't even think he got an issue out i want to know he, he got one it was one issue, at least and then the rest were um Love Della, I, think. I think no daniel tony as daniel wrote and oh you're right drew them both that's I th- right i think the one issue that came out might have had the script change though I think oh, it might have been like, yeah. like plotted, Maybe. By, I, plotted by Andy Diggle, scripted by Tony Daniel. That might have been a thing, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like DC is really doubling down on the uh, let's just get everybody that we like back in our good graces somehow. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is fine by me. It's, uh, you know, I want to read good comics by good creators, so that's fine. But Mark, Wade, I wonder, we're waiting for you. I was just going to say, now, I'm not predicting anyone anything here. Like, this is not a prediction. But I think it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what Mark Wade is doing at Marvel after this Anistart happens. Uh-huh. Because 
He's not going to be on Avengers. As far as I know, his Captain America run is event like it's it's planned to be relatively short. I thought I had heard the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Uncle Rich says Tonassi Coates is taking over. Yeah, right. And I don't know about that. Like that might be maybe plans have changed there. Yeah, you know? Akira Yoshida definitely put <laughs> the kibosh on that. Well, he's going to be writing it now. Yeah. Yes. I was thinking how like I've I really I'm wondering if it's worth falling on the sword to like push everything I have for an interview with with uh, Sobolski and just start it with. So how many books will Akira Yoshida be writing on uh, <laughs> as as part of this fresh start? And just like wait and see how they kick me out of the Marvel offices, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Tom Brevert is going to drop his magic fedora on you and yeah. it's going to envelop you and send you to the Phantom Zone. Yeah. Um, he's going to toss it like the Superman cellophane. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to hit you. <laughs> um, oh, we have fun. We yeah, we do. What so if... Go ahead, I'm sorry. not... Again, this is not a prediction. Don't hold me to this. Okay. What if Mark Wade came to DC to write the Green Lantern relaunch? I, Atlanta. Yeah, I, I have a, an even. Uh, oh no, yeah, that's better. So was, <laughs> what were you gonna say? What was yours? Well, so I had heard a rumor. I believe again, Uncle Rich can be credited for this. With uh, Peter Tomasi going to be the new Detective Comics writer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard that. Yeah, but. I think Wade on Detective could be really interesting. Yeah. I can't recall him doing a long-time Batman run, did he? I don't know if he's ever... Has he ever written Batman? I feel I'm like sure he must he's have written. at some point, yeah. yeah. I mean, like... Even if it was, like, Legends of the Dark Knight shit. You know? Maybe. maybe. Talk amongst yourselves. I'm gonna look this up. Yeah, um... Because I I feel like, you know, I, we should mention this, too, that the solicits confirm that um, James Tynan's Detective Comics run is ending in May. And that's a damn shame, because that book's been really good. Yeah. As, as we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but I wonder I, what he is doing next. Yeah, that's, that's what's interesting to me. I think he might be the He's... one... Green Lantern. He's getting a Justice League book, right? He's getting a Justice League book, but we don't know what that's going to look like. Right. True. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So, Mark Wade wrote a Detective Comics annual and one issue of Legends of the Dark Knight. And then he wrote Batman for a long time in Justice League, too. Yeah. Sure. True. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, it's um, yeah, it's gonna be sad to see that run end, the the, the, the tech run. But uh, you know, I, I, again, I'm glad that Tynan got was it two full years on that book. Yeah, that's a nice that's a nice run. That'll make a nice uh, omnibus one day. Uh, so, let, let's, so let's talk about the big news here, which is that Super Sons is reportedly ending with number 16. Um, this makes a little bit of sense, as we know Tomasi is going to be off Superman, and that you know, 
it seems like DC is sort of clearing the deck for for what uh, Bendis is going to be doing on Superman. Now, I said before that I have a, kind of a, a theory about this, but first I want to hear what you guys think of this. Why is why is Super Sons being canceled? Because we don't live in a just or good world. Fair. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. I kind of thought that they would keep Tomasi on this. I guess maybe it's because they don't want to detract anything from Bendis, which I don't know if you guys noticed, but there wasn't a Supergirl issue solicited in May either. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't notice that. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it seems like they're clearing the deck on all things Superman related right now. See, here's where I, my theory comes into play a little bit. I think you're going to see certain characters moved out of the spotlight of the floppies to be the sort of cornerstone characters of the new publishing initiatives, the DC Zoom and DC Inc. And, and we know there's a Super Sons OGN coming from that. Mm. And I wonder if they've just decided, like, well, for a little while, John, you know, he, he can still be a Teen Titan or whatever, but but we're going to really focus on him as part of this this new publishing initiative. Because he seems like the perfect type of character to build that around, doesn't he? Yeah. 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 And, I mean, I could also see him eventually getting inducted into Teen Titans, too, so... yeah. Um, or, you know, maybe Mark Wade will come back and do like a Young Justice book. That's a good call, too. I don't think that'll happen, but... Neither do I. Um, I know our, uh, our, our friend and fellow Multiversity cohort, uh, Ken Goberson III, has been saying for a while that he thinks that Bendis is going to undo... John, that John's not going to be a part of of, uh, DC anymore. And I think there's just too much goodwill associated with that character, slash Mm. the OGN's happening, slash it just seems like the biggest change of Rebirth was the change to the Superman status quo, and I can't see them getting rid of that, especially because Bendis has said he is not throwing away what came before, and he is building off of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't see... I don't see that going away. I hope not, for everyone's sake. And that just uh, doesn't make sense to me. I think it would be different if they were doing a hard reboot of Superman, a New 52 reboot. Then I can understand why they get rid of certain things, like Chris Kent or uh, you know, the marriage to Lois, those sorts of things. I understand why those things went away in that sort of hard reboot, but I can't see that happening now. Hmm. Um, anything else to say about the solicits? Um, how is Bang Conquest not over yet? Yep. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's, let's take a little break. We'll be back in just a minute with more DC3Cast. Mm-hmm. 
Hi, I'm Paul, the host of the Comic Syllabus Podcast, a weekly show on the Multiversity Network of Podcasts. We read widely and we dig deep, bringing different analytical approaches to our study and appreciation of the wide variety of comics out there. Along with comics teachers, critics, and creators, we do close readings of classic and current exemplars of the medium. And we invite you to join us every Tuesday here at multiversitycomics.com. So let's dig deep. And we are back with our review of this week's books. We are going to spoil stuff, so make sure you've read the issues beforehand. Uh, we're going to start with Action Comics, number 997, written by Dan Jurgens, illustrated by Brett Booth, brought to you by the 90s. Um, <laughs> this is the, uh, I guess, the... Return of the Mac. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I saw the sign. Um You know, this what's has, going on? <laughs> this has not been a bad arc so far, for the most part, but this is a bad issue. It's a pretty bad issue, yeah. It's sub subpar. Zach, uh, what do you think? I yeah. Did you read this? It's fun. I I read it. I really promise that I read it. <laughs> promise I read it. Um, but. I'm, I have nothing to say. <laughs> I, I got a few things here. The, this, first of all, the fight between Lorzad and uh, Superman was very DBZ. If you flipped that is a page, if you flipped a page number five, and like Lorzad is like charging at at Clark, I can just picture him saying Kakarot there, <laughs> as if he were Vegeta or something. Oh um, man! So there's that. The other thing is a weird Brett Booth art thing near the end. So Sam Lane, right? Yeah. Sam Lane is still Lois's dad in this continuity, right? Yes. <laughs> Why does he look roughly the same age as Steve Trevor then? I was going to say, he, not, has, not he has gray hundred... hair. Do you see that? Yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. he's got gray hair, but other than that, that is like the healthiest looking dude. Like he looks like he I mean... could almost be Lois's age. He looks like he's ready to go chomp some rubber pizza with the team with the with the Titans. <laughs> he is like Lois's hunky three years older brother. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like without oh, the gray hair, especially like if there's there's a panel where it says, uh, "Dad doesn't know Clark's secret that John is special, nor will he ever." If you told me that was Steve Trevor, I'd be like, "Yep." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zod, a Kryptonian, looks older than Lois's father in this issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah. there's that. The whole stuff with with the with the lanes was impossibly dumb. Like, can you imagine? <laughs> just put yourself in Sam's shoes for a second. Lois, my reporter daughter, has come to save me with her fucking kid. Like. <laughs> How how weird is that? And everybody's like, shut up, Grandpa! Like, no, let's talk about this. You brought a child to a war zone. Like, it's, a, it's a really bad plot point. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's the sort of plot point that's born out of a story, like them just deciding that a story has to be six issues long. Like, well, this arc has to be six issues long, so we can't cut any of this dumb shit. Right. You know, yeah. 
What's really surprising, though, is that they totally killed uh, John, Lois, and Sam Lane <laughs> at the last page. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Rest like, in peace, them. Ken Godfrey Amanda Waller. Right. Yeah. Still, they're joined Amanda Waller in, in the, the Dead Forever. But ever after. Dead for, yeah. And that great bell rev in the sky. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Gone, yeah. not forgotten. <laughs> I still can't believe that Rob Williams killed her forever. Yeah. His name shall live in infamy. Yeah. Right. Oh man! Now I just now, oh I was just gonna say now I just want to talk about Dragon Ball. So thanks, Ben. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. Yeah. Um, written by the Bensons, illustrated by Roja Antonio. Um, speaking of deaths that, uh, although this one's <laughs> probably permanent, this one will probably stick. Because who cares about Gus? Right. Good old Gus Yale. Yep. Is that his last name? That's his last name, Yale. Like the school. Yeah. The yeah. Ivy League. Never heard Poison of it. Poison Ivy. Never heard of it. That, that's a joke for a book coming up in the future. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, we've had some dumb uh, names in Rebirth slash the New 52. Mm-hmm. I think Burn Rate has got to be one of the... How was, how was Burn Rate not one of the shitty villains in Cyborg? <laughs> it might have been even. We, I, that we is didn't true. Really read that. <laughs> might have been even. Even. Oh man! When we lost last week's episode, we lost so many instances of Zach and I saying even. even? <laughs> there were so many. Um, could Burn Rate have been the name of the old jazz man? Inside board? <laughs> Burn rate gums, Murphy. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Is this is this their way of saying? Uh, is this their way of saying that uh, Oracle is definitely not coming back? Like even uh, Babs as Oracle. Like if anyone's still fooling themselves into thinking that that'll ever happen again, it's not. Maybe. Yeah. I I feel like the, having the Oracle thing in their back pocket is always going to be there because DC loves nothing more than hinting at its classic stories. So mm-hmm. I feel like we are within five years of Babs being shot and temporarily paralyzed. Oh, fantastic! And yep. in that Great. time, Let's... in that time, yep. she'll be Oracle again. That I can't wait for that to happen. But am I wrong? No, you're you're probably right. Yeah, so. one of the three twisted Jokers is going to show up, and yep. all three at once, actually. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> triangulation yeah yes but it's it'll be okay because only one bullet will hit and they won't know which one did it because only two of them had blanks so they they can have a good conscience and we'll find out which one was joker firing squad (laughs) we'll find out which one did it in a 12 issue tom king miniseries and it turns out it'll be maggie simpson (laughs) 
that oh. series will be called The Bullet. The Bullet. <laughs> and we'll be saying The Bullet on this show <laughs> in, a, in a Ringo voice. I don't know why. So, oh, man. Number one with a bullet? Oh, don't, don't do this again, Zach. <laughs> this was also lost to time. Oh, I'll be your man. God complex, cock it and pull it. Is this that song you guys were talking about that I literally don't know? <laughs> yeah, it's Fall Out okay. Boy. Yeah. Oh, Brian's too cool. He never listened to Fall Out Boy. No, I'm just too old. It's not too cool. No, Get Ben Gramps. <laughs> yeah. No, when, when you guys talked about Name That Song, I was like, is that a Panic at the Disco song? That was my first thought. So You were, you were close. Yeah, it's not so far off. Yeah, you were real close. Same same era, roughly the same sound. Yeah. Until some some like uh, pop punk emo pedant is going to show up and talk about how wrong I was I'm in the sure. comments. I'm sure. And actually, we need, Panic, we need Panic more of the that. Disco Please sounds nothing like Fallout Boy. Yeah. Well, Zach, what was that? Oh, nothing. I we need more of that. So please do. We the, do. We need more the comments. One, the one Fall Out Boy song I know, and I think it's Fall Out Boy, came out like a year or two ago, and it was like the official song of the Major League Baseball postseason. And it, oh. sa- it sounded like the lyrics were, light a Muppet on fire. That is that is how, that's the song. Those are the actual lyrics. Yeah. Not light the one mu- we were mu- singing, mu- but... Light a Muppet mu- 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 on fire! Yeah, that's that's the real, those are the real words. Yeah. That's post... Peak Fallout Boy, though. Okay. Yeah, that's post hiatus. It's not yeah, even you... really the same band. Right. They're yes. I mean, even though it is all of the same people, it's all the same people. But they 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 took a little hiatus to figure out how they could cram every trend in top forty <laughs> music into their sound, and then come back and then their... be more successful than ever somehow. So their answer kind of was two chains. Yeah. Yep. All right. Cool. Exactly. So back around the birds of prey. Anything else? Yay, nay. No. I, I like Rose Antonio. Yeah. Okay. Sure. All right. Let's talk about this uh, this delicious abobili pizza that is Dark Knights Rising: The Wild Hunt. Oh my God! We're gonna be here for an hour. Yeah. Written by. Deep Breath, Scott Snyder, Grant Morrison, James Town the Fourth, and Josh Williamson. Illustrated by Howard Porter, Howard Porter, Phil Jimenez, Doug Monkey, and uh, not Jorge Jimenez. Um, yeah, it's Jorge, Jorge Jimenez. Jimenez. Yeah, yeah, it was Jorge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, okay, I have a question before we get started. And because wait, did I forget an artist? That's that's a more important question right now. No, oh, I don't no, think no. you did. I think okay. you got it. It was Doug Monkey with Jamie Mendoza, whatever that means. That's okay, true. Yeah. I don't know if that's Monkey's inker it or. Could be, yeah. I think so, yeah, because there aren't any inkers listed. So. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, but now, question. Vince. Yeah. You. I, I think it was you. When this issue came out, you read it and you said that you compared it to 52 and said that you could break down where each rider came in and you know you you found the fingerprints oh man you're not gonna I, put me on the spot I, here are you i am because i i didn't i couldn't feel it other than i think i think that the the detective chimp part at the beginning was written by tanyan 
But after that, everything felt Grant Morrison to me. See, I thought the Detective Chimp stuff was Snyder. See, I, See, I don't think Snyder. <laughs> I don't think I don't feel like Snyder touched this. I felt like he was story consultant. See, I really? I had read that Morrison's big thing was adding more Detective Chimp. Interesting. I don't think he wrote that though. I think that was just his suggestion. Does that does that seem right? I I my honest bet is that Williamson and Tynion uh, scripted this, and that it was just Snyder and Morrison throwing out ideas to them. Okay. See, I felt like the detective chimp stuff was mostly Snyder. I felt like the multiversal stuff was Morrison. The flash, like, the flash scenes were... There's some real flash-heavy stuff, especially with the, the, like, evil Flash, Batman, evil Bruce Flash. That was all Williamson. And then, like, some of the stuff... Uh, the stuff with the different various evil Batman was Tinian. But I, I could totally be wrong. I just felt like, okay, Grant wrote this part because this is like, uh, and not, not that like Snyder exclusively wrote all the, um, detective chimp stuff, but like mm-hmm. anytime, Anytime, like, like when Earth-53 was mentioned, I was like, well, that's Morrison. Or, like, when they were on the Ultima Thule flying through the, the multiverse, well, that's Morrison, like, adding a little... I don't know. I felt like there were just segments, like, pages, where it was like, well, all the Flash stuff is just mm-hmm. Williamson. Well, you know, the Mad Scientist stuff is, like, that's, like, straight Morrison from That's, 52. like, 52 Morrison Yeah, that stuff. is 52 yeah. Morrison, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, I guess... My like, I, I guess I don't. I'm not gonna say I exactly know where everybody was, but like, I think you can see everyone's contribution. You know, that's yeah. fair. Setting aside the exact script, you know, like yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, this is super fun. Oh, this, this is, is great. This, this is oh, this is so good. This is just pure insanity. And oh, go, go ahead. It. No, go for it, Zach. Well, I was just gonna say, I don't think any of us were that into the Batman Lost, Hawkman Found issues. Those felt pretty inconsequential. But I feel like if you don't read this issue, you're gonna be missing out a, a lot of um, metal. Yeah, like, I feel like metal number six is gonna come around, and you're gonna be scratching your head a little bit. When Detective Chimp comes in and saves the day, yeah, it's going to be yeah. weird, yeah. It's going to be like how Final Crisis was if you didn't read Superman Beyond. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh. Can't wait for that omnibus. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Um, oh, go ahead, Brian. No, no, Vince, go ahead, please. Well, I was just—I was just gonna—I was just gonna start listing off all the shit that we saw that we haven't seen in a while, or that was like unusual. So, right, like, go for it. Detective Chimp, 
Swamp Thing body slamming a crocodile. <laughs> uh, Rex the Wonder Dog, right? Yep. Uh, what else? Red Let's Tornado. See. Red Tornado, yep. The Metal Men. Um, using wind harmonics again. Like, I love the way that they use sound. This is like the spiritual successor to Final Crisis in that way, where, like, sound or music plays such a, a mm-hmm. big role. Um, the ship that the Dark Knights were riding in on was, is that the ship from, uh, the Batman pirate stuff? Oh, wait, which one are you talking about? The, the, there's a scene of the Dark Knights. Oh, I see that down there. I thought that they were riding the, the authority ship, but I do see that one that you're talking about. Oh, maybe they are. Where's the authority ship? That's the big one that's chasing the Ultima Thule. Where where is that? All throughout the whole thing. Oh, I don't. Oh. I, it's like on one. It's like on a few different pages. Um, I can't see a good image here, of it. I, I think it's um, it's on on Comicsology. It's on page fourteen. Oh, shit. It's the one that yeah. looks like a dog. Yep. 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 I see although, it now. Although, also, I'm pretty sure that Vandal Savage was flying that ship also in the the at the, towards the end of the Aaron Cuter action comics Superman stuff. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure he was flying a ship that looked just like that too. Um, but that is the Authority ship for sure. Oh man, nice. There's so much in this. The system. carrier. The carrier, yes. There is so much stuff. Um, some nice Nick's Watan, Wotan references. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. this is like crazy, which is so weird because Metal is both. I mean, Metal is a sequel to Snyder and Capullo's Batman run, but it also is heavily playing into Morrison's Batman run. And now really heavily building on Final Crisis too. So, this to me feels like a. Uh, this was what I was going to say earlier. This feels almost like an event that could have been planned for right after Flashpoint. Like if Flashpoint didn't reset the universe. But just was kind of like a this alternate universe, you know, story. And then when they come out of it, it's pretty much just what the same as they left it. This feels like this is picking up so many plot threads and characters from that era of DC Comics. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yeah. the, the Snyder Capullo stuff wouldn't have worked for that. But um, but aside from knowing the history of sort of metals in Gotham. There's not that much that, like, if you didn't read the Snyder Capullo Bat Run, you're not going to be lost reading this. You'd be far more lost if you didn't read Final Crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is super weird how this book is building off of stories from ten years ago. Um... Oh, another quick thing I noticed. Do you remember way back in the... Well, I guess not like way back, but in the um, the Man Who Laughs one-shot, there was the masked man 
that we weren't sure who he was, and it reminded us of Mazaz from Yes. He's back in this. Mazaz. Yeah, Mazaz. Yeah, Mazaz. do you think that's Nick Suotan? I don't know. I don't think so. Who is it? See now, I I have a feeling that part of the reason that the that these two solicits were a little bit empty for this month is that initially this was supposed to be the like this issue's release date was supposed to be the end of metal. And maybe they had to pull some stuff from the solicits because they don't want to spoil the end of metal. And I feel like that that identity is going to be super important whoever it is. Hmm. Um but I have no idea who it is. I kind of hope it is Mazaz because that would be even crazier. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Earth 53, guys. Yeah. See, see to Earth me, that's, that's... In a, in a strange turn of events. You think so? <laughs> yeah, because... In a, in a weird turn of events... In the same way that Multiverse predicted a a Morrison event in our naming, I once had a comic book blog called Earth Fifty Three. So <laughs> nice. Was that your DC definitely listens to our show moment? Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. That wasn't it. That wasn't it. That comes later. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. I, I liked how much of a focus Raven got in this issue. Yeah. I always like when the teen characters get used in like bigger events or are seen outside of their own books. Yeah, she she feels vital here. She doesn't feel tossed mm-hmm. in. That's good. I I think it's also worth noting that Part of the reason this feels so Final Crisis heavy is because Doug Monkey does a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that the art for this issue overall was quite good. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. I mean, Rory Jimenez is one of the best artists at DC right now. Howard Porter, Howard Porter's been doing really great work. Um, and it's just so vibrant you know the yeah. colors are fantastic yeah agreed anything else to add before we move on uh i'm ridiculously excited for metal number six now after this issue more so than i think i've been um what's the official few weeks Right. What's the official date on that now? I want to say March. It's the twenty eighth of March. Let's see. It would be the twenty eighth. Yes. One day after the Last Jedi arrives on Blu-ray. Hot damn! It's a good week, boys. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about Dead Man. Just kidding. Let's talk about Detective Comics number nine seventy four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fall of the Batman finale we uh, we get a pretty intense issue here boys we see um, mm-hmm. 
We Lots see, of moving pieces here. Yes, yes. Uh, we, we see Clayface murdered by Batwoman. We see Cass uh, rip off the bat symbol from Batwoman's uniform, which leads to the beginning of her sort of leading the colony, which we've seen teased in the past. We see Tim and Steph break up again. Um, yeah. We we see uh, Asriel and, uh, and Batwing. Fox. Yeah. Uh, sort of take issue with Batman's condemnation of Batwoman for her killing of Clayface. Obviously, we're all sad to see Clayface go. Clayface was the breakout character of this book and a super interesting villain uh, that was redeemed and turned into an even more interesting hero. Aside from the sadness of seeing the character gone, what did you guys think of this issue? I liked how important it felt. I liked that we finally got to the colony suit for Kate stuff. Um, I'm I'm I buy into the disagreement between Batman and Batwoman. Obviously, um, I think that's an easy sell. Um, the stuff with Ulysses and the and Brother Eye at the very end. One thing. One thing I wanted to say is something at the end. He says something like. Uh, it's time to accelerate this timeline or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, now with uh, Doomsday Clock delayed, it would be funny if they had to actually slow down the timeline. <laughs> <laughs> like next issue, it's like, just kidding. Actually, things are moving at just the right pace. <laughs> would you say at a medium pace? <laughs> oh, take the shampoo. No, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's... Uh, we're not going there again. Yeah. You know, Kate Kane's dad looks pretty young in this too. Maybe it's just that military life is so rejuvenating. Yeah. Maybe maybe uh, Doctor Manhattan forgot to steal five or ten years from some of these characters. Maybe. Maybe he gave them back yeah. some years. I um, thought that the store the beat with um, Lori Griffin and. Um, the doctor character, I, I, oh, is it? Uh, October, Dr. October, yeah. right? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that beat was really satisfying, I felt like, for kind of dealing with Clayface's death. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, that was really, that was really, um, there were a lot of layers there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like they're leaving themselves a back door to bring him back by just having a sample of the clay someplace. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's that's just how how things work in comics. Um, but I hope you know, in a lot of ways, I hope he stays dead, just because I'd rather him have died this way, with having a relatively heroic last act to his story. Then have him come back and just be a villain again for no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I'm actually would be surprised if he isn't um, resurrected in some capacity before the end of Tynion's run. Even if it was just like the end of the last issue is just we see a like normalize. 
um, uh, Basil. Basil, yeah, like a normal Basil, just like somewhere, you know, walking around or something. Like the Snyder, Capullo, Bruce Wayne reveal? Yes, yeah. something like that. I could see that. Hmm. Oh, I think I know what Zach's uh, DC's listening to the DC3 thing is. I won't, Do you? I won't Do you think it's that. in this issue? Nope, 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 nope. Nope. I what will, issue do you think it's in? I think it's in New Superman. Yeah, that's it. That's okay, it. but I won't spoil it, though. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I just want to say that um, the this issue is the cover says that Jesus Marino drew it, but the credits on the inside say that uh, Philippe Briones illustrated the issue. And it it's definitely Briones, right? Yeah, I believe so. That's not bad. No, nobody still knows how to draw Tim's mask. <laughs> no, that's a whole other story. Look at that! Look at that sweet Tim Derp face. Um, on um, it's on page eighteen of the Comicsology, the top middle panel. <laughs> Wait, are we collecting Derp faces and nut faces now? Yeah, I mean, this could be a nut face too, honestly. <laughs> Which one is this? Yeah. I'm sending it in the chat. Okay. This is great air. Yes, there were some there were some chat shenanigans too in the last episode. <laughs> there <I'm> was. Sure. <laughs> uh so one more thing I just want to say. So there's the scene where um where before you see who's who's looking at all the screens, you know, on the, the sort of the penultimate page there. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, what I was going to say is there's that sort of scene in silhouette of all the, the screens there. And it looks like whoever's watching has a tail. <laughs> uh, Ulysses is uh, Gohan yeah. from, from Dragon Ball, also. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know me, noted Dragon Ball expert Brian Salvatore. I was talking to Zach, you asshole. I know. I am an asshole. He was talking to Akira Toriyama. <laughs> Who who learned from Akira Yoshida? Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, let's talk about how Jordan the Green Lantern Corps, Zach's favorite book of the week, written by Robert Venditti, illustrated by our friend, our compatriot, our protector, Ethan Van Skyver. Don't say no, that. <laughs> no, I'm saying protector because uh, Vince is aware of this. So last week we at Multiversity had the exclusive preview of this, and I can't tell you how many people were tweeting at us about how great it was that Ethan Van Skyver was, quote, protecting Hal Jordan and how we oh. need him to protect uh, Batman and Superman in those titles because because the uh, the, the social justice warriors and libtards were doing too much damage to those characters. Yeah, that doesn't have any weir- extremely weird racist overtones to it. No, not at all. Jesus Christ, what a bunch of pieces of shit. 
these people are. <laughs> Including Van Skyver. He sucks ass. He does. He's not a good artist. I hope, I hope he's done at DC. The rumor has it that he's done with them, but uh, I don't know if I believe that. But, um, God, what a... Oh, these people who, like, go around and poke at the... You know, people who are genuinely trying to enjoy uh, comics that, that maybe aren't the same comics that these people enjoy you know but they can't let them live and they just go and poke and prod at them and pretend like they're just asking questions you know like oh i'm just trying to have a dialogue i'm just trying to have a debate fuck them fuck van skyver male privilege doesn't exist prove me wrong (laughs) 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 okay Uh, yeah, this is uh I will say there is one like interesting in story thing that happens here. But other than that, this is a boring comic. Hal calling the ring through Eradicator's head? Not that particular aspect of it, but the idea that Hal and his ring like can't be separated because Hal made the ring. Oh. That's just like a new twist on that character. I'm looking I for guess. something positive to say here because this is <laughs> this is not great. Ah, oh, Van Skyver just sucks so much. <laughs> what a miserable person. Yeah. Agreed. Alright, let's move past this garbage comic. Let's get over to Justice League of America number twenty four. Written by Steve Orlando, illustrated by Neil Edwards. The finale of the Promethea storyline. Somebody hit me with something. I didn't not like this. (laughs) I actually like this a bit. I thought this was fine. It was okay. I think... um... I think the Lobo stuff was the highlight. I, Orlando is really good at writing Lobo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that can't be denied. And I actually thought, you know, we've we've been talking about the Killer Frost stuff and how kind of muddled it's been and how, like, it's been. Um, <laughs> uh, but, Hold me now, watch but, a hoodwink. But I thought this was really good. I thought the Caitlin stuff in this issue was really, really good. Um, the Prometheus stuff, eh. it still feels a little shoehorned in. Yeah, I'm not. You know, I wasn't one of the people who was real mad about it. You know, but like after the two issues are over, I'm not. I'm also not sure I saw the value in it. Batman's back. He's good again. Yeah, and and he has a little friend with him. He does. Yeah. Yeah. Who is that little guy? That's a reference that I make all the time, which is from uh, an episode of Beavis and Butthead when they were watching a Hall and Oates video, and there, there's a scene where where Oates like comes out of the shadows and he goes, "Look, Beavis, this is little friend." <laughs> and uh, 
at first i at first i thought it was cave carson uh-huh. be, because of the like milk war stuff but then i was like nah he doesn't have the trademark beard he doesn't have he clearly doesn't have a cybernetic eye yeah because the eye is running around in all sorts of books right now well he also yeah well that's true no it's not cave carson no but I just thought, you know, like Cave Carson wears like the flannel shirt yeah. that's red, and I just thought oh, that kind of looks like an adventure vest, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, this is one of those situations where, again, metal was supposed to be over at this point, so it makes sense that Batman's popping up here, even if in story elsewhere he's not yet popping up. So, oh I, yeah, um, not that not that I care, just pointing that out. Um. I, th- I think Neil Edwards is is an underrated artist. I think I really like what he did with Vixen here in particular. Yeah. This book continues to be like one of the more high concept books out there that I really like in theory, but when I'm reading each issue, I'm not in love with the series. Hmm. Yeah, I can agree with that. There's a lot that it does right, but yeah, it's weird. Well, let's get to the book that that Zach thinks is proof that the DC three casts are are the movers and shakers of uh, DC Comics. That is New Superman number 20, written by Gene Yang. (laughs) Illustrated by Brent Peoples. So Vince, you think you know why why Zach feels this way? You want to tell well, us? Well, I want I want I want Zach to have his moment in the sun. So, all right, Zach, lay it on us, bud. Well, I mean, a major plot point of this issue has to do with a character watching and quoting The Simpsons. So. <laughs> That is true. If that's not DC catnip, I don't know what is. That's true. Yeah. Don't have a cow. Don't have a cow, man. I don't understand the words. (laughs) I I understand the words. I don't get the meaning. (laughs) But it makes him laugh every time. Makes him laugh every time. He's sketching a little Homer Simpson on his notepad. Yeah. So good. (laughs) Or, Or Mr. Sparkle. Yeah. <laughs> he banishes dirt to the land of ghosts and wind. <laughs> yeah, if you think about it, it's more likely that he's drawing Mr. Sparkle. Yeah. Fishbulb. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. That's really funny. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love this book. I adore it. It's so dense and just packed with good stuff. Sleaze, so the villain of this issue is Sleaze, Mm -hmm. who feeds on desires. Um, That's a DC Comics villain. I know that it's a real villain that's been used in the past. I can't think of exactly when or where. Uh, You know where? Where? I'm almost positive he's from the Superman Barta porno issue. (laughs) That That makes this all even better. Yeah. I feel like I feel like Gene Yang would get along with the three of us. Oh yeah, we we could hang. Yeah, that's what um, he's that's awesome. 
uh, I love how much of a sleep. I love how like Yang he lives gives up him to like his a, name. yeah, he gives him a really strong voice. You know, like there's a lot of personality there. Um, this book is just full of personality. Um, I love the the Lantern Corps of China. Although yeah. I'm not, unless I missed something, I'm not quite sure how that works. They were just introduced at the end of the last issue. The right? last art. Yeah, so we don't know yet how that corresponds to the actual Green Lanterns of Sector Two Eight One Four Twenty Eight Fourteen. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe. Um, I believe it's just like the new, like because the government can only control the Justice League. They have created this replacement. Yeah, they're just, so lanterns by name only, really. Right. Yeah. Lions. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I love the new Aquaman, and uh, I love the any time there was a giant monster crab on panel was awesome. I really thought that they were going to make a. Um, I guess it would have been two thousand seven E three reference. The gi- <laughs> giant enemy crab. <laughs> I vaguely recall what you're talking about. It was the the PS3, I think, conference with uh, what was that game? Genji, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I barely recall this. Oh man, I remember every aspect. I could paint it from I, memory. I do. Ridge Racer. <laughs> Come on, guys! Know your E3 press conferences from a decade ago. I know the I know the one where Sony dunked on Microsoft for about sharing video games because Microsoft said you weren't going to be able to. Yeah, I, that I was yeah, that. yeah. That was a few years later. <laughs> anyway, five hundred and ninety-nine U.S. dollars. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, uh, Brent Peoples does really nice work. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else on that one? No, I'm good. Before we go any further, did either of you guys read the uh, Mister Miracle number one director's cut? I did not. No, should I have? Well, it had new stuff in it, but. Really, all it was was a mini story by it was Tom King and Mike Norton on art. Oh man! And but all it really was was sort of a re. It was a summary of uh, Scott and Barta's origin, essentially. Okay. Just dr- drawn by Mike Norton. I mean, it's by no means essential, and it kind of seemed like Norton was trying to channel Kirby a little bit. It wasn't. It didn't seem to be Norton's normal style to me. Um, it was nice, but there was nothing in there that was essential. So you didn't. You didn't miss anything. Okay. I just wondered if you'd read it. Uh, speaking of wondering if you read it, did either of you guys read Ragman? Yeah. yeah. No. I did. I mean, it sucks, but I read it. Shining Knight. Shining Knight was there. Yep. Oh, that's cool. In the flesh. Um, so at the end, 
Ragman's like gonna sacrifice himself for the release of everybody else from this like hell world, which is like the like the most played out resolution to a conflict ever. I think pretty much in comics. Let's get Anaki Miranda on a on a on a on a great book. Yeah. Let's just get a good Ragman comic. There could there's a I I still maintain that Ragman could be a good member of like a Shadow Pact, a Justice League Dark, that sort of thing. But yeah. This you know not... every time every time you say Shadow Pact, DC puts off the announcement of that comic another couple months. Why? Just to taunt me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think they're waiting for my availability to write it. I'm here, guys. Oh, that's who Dan DiDio was talking. He, he, he's waiting for your availability. I am I'm ready. Right to yep. Uh, all right, let's let's jump over to Red Hood and the Outlaws. And we got a tweet from uh, from one of our listener pals today saying that, uh, like, what's wrong with him? He loves Red Hood and the Outlaws now. <laughs> and I have to say, this is a good issue. This book is just getting, it's just, it's really good. It's, um, this iteration is probably easily in my top five favorite DC Universe books right now. Yeah, I would, I'd say 10 for sure. I don't know if I'm willing to go five. This issue was close to being my favorite issue of the week. I mean, that, that sweet, sweet Marcio Takara art doesn't hurt. It doesn't. Um, but yeah, this is this is like a shockingly solid book. It did, like, I, one of the things I, I've had a problem with in the past is that I feel like Jason Todd has never really had his own voice. That he's always just kind of been like an asshole, and they never took time to develop him as a character. And I feel like this run has developed Jason's voice more than any other since he's been back as Red Hood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought yeah. this was a really I thought this was a really cute issue with like the fake date that they were going on. Yeah, that was a that was a good moment. Like I I mean, I don't particularly care if they become a thing or anything. But it was, I mean, the, their interactions were really nice. The The actual purpose of the date was nice. But it was also nice just that little bit where, you know, oh, so, he, oh, so this date was a sham. And she was like, mostly a sham? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was cute. I want, I want Jason Todd to be happy one day. <laughs> Never. Still can't believe this is a Scott Lovedell book. Yeah. Um, yep, it's way too good to be. I like that Bizarro is bathing in Brainforce Plus. <laughs> I just like what does he call his little his little Superman doll? Uh, pun pun. It's not. <laughs> is it really pun pun? Because that's no. what I okay. Because no. I always think it's pun pun. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's something else. Good night, it's, pun pun. The soul no. crusher, the destroyer of souls. <laughs> No, it's uh, it's something like that though. It's something very it simple. Is, yeah. I'm looking it up right uh, now. Pup pup. Pup pup. 
Pup pups. Um, Tastes like pup. pup the fact that you're calling that yeah. makes me know you're not ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on, uh, on Tim and Eric, they say pup instead of poop sometimes. <laughs> Tastes like pup. <laughs> he literally does have pup pup in the attic. Yeah. <laughs> I was in the basement. In the basement, yeah, the basement. I guess. Pop in the basement. Pop, pop, get a Grisham. <laughs> get some more of those uh, bag and boil yeah. meals. Oh, rest in peace, Jeffrey Tambor. Yeah, he died. He died before he could have possibly disgraced himself. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, that yeah. one that one hurts. That does. That really does. Between this and uh between Arrest Development and the Larry Sanders show. The best. Just the best. So R.I.P. Jeffrey Tambor. Um anything else to say about Red Hood? It's really, really good. It is. Shockingly good. Alright. Um, let's talk about Shade the Changing Girl slash Wonder Woman special number one, The Milk Wars Part 3. Uh, this is written by Cecil Castellucci, illustrated by Mirka Andolfo. Uh, while I enjoyed this, I think this was the least... Uh, well-developed of the three Milk Wars issues so far. I agree. I had a kind of a hard time following this. I think it was, um, I think part of it was that it was super repetitive. Um, yeah. I think you kind of got, I don't know, this, this one would have been much better if it was like half as long. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of the stuff with uh, with uh, shade as the different uh, as the shade force, you know, like mm-hmm. the inside out emotions personified thing. Um, I felt like you got a lot of that early on, and I I feel like they. I don't know. They were kind of running over the same material with the with those characters and Wonder Woman as the mother, Wonder Mom, or whatever, Wonder, Wonder Wife. Wife. That's Wonder Wife. That's what it was. Yeah, I felt like a lot of that was just drawn out a little bit. I I will say this though. I immensely enjoyed Mirka Andolfo's art throughout this. Oh yeah. I think there is a ton of shit in this issue, like tons that is going to go untalked about and like uncelebrated. But there are so many things that she does to just make the visuals interesting constantly. Um, A couple of things towards uh, starting in page 17 of our PDF where uh, she's got the shade coat on the madness coat. There's all sorts of like that page is really weird. Like that that page could be out of like the original shade the changing man, 
And then later, uh, when things start to get really weird, there's a part where I'm looking for it right now, where like the the world like cracks, and yep. Wonder Woman is standing behind the Wonder Wife painting. And I feel like so much of that art on that page and the pages that follow is some really difficult shit to pull off. And it's trickier than one would think just by looking at it. And I feel like she does an amazing job of conveying all that weirdness. Specifically when, like, they're ripping apart that wall. It's just such a dynamic image and idea. I don't know. I, I really dug the art on this one. Yeah, the art was really good. And I think conceptually, too, the this issue was really strong. Um, you know, I think all of these, or I guess we've only had two so far, um, but these single issues have been really smart, you know, turning Batman into a kind of religious zealot evangelist type is really smart. And then also turning Wonder Woman into the ultimate mom and, you know, commenting on, um, you know, patriarchy, things like that is also, I think really smart too. Um, this one was just a little bit harder. It, this one was way more obtuse in its presentation. Yeah, my you know, my sort of critique of, of both this and the Mother Panic one is that no, I don't think either one is going to have a lick to do with the storyline as it's going to wrap up in the Doom Patrol Justice League special or whatever. Um, but in the other, in the Mother Panic one, I felt much more... I just felt I, I enjoyed the storyline more. They're both pretty inconsequential, but I enjoyed that storyline more. Yeah, it is interesting how in all of these one-shots, they always say to be concluded in Doom Patrol. You know how... Yeah. I, I, I almost get the impression that you could read just the, the Doom Patrol Justice League issues and get... Oh, yeah, absolutely. ...the story completely. These are just, you know, nice little tie-ins. Yeah, I agree. And it'll explain why, you know, Batman and Wonder Woman are showing up with their respective characters. It seems like Cave Carson issue might be a little bit more important. Yeah. Because Cave is so important to the story. Uh Uh-huh. With his eye. Yeah, exactly. We'll see, though. I don't know. I haven't read that one yet. Vince has probably, probably read it. No, I haven't yet. No. Oh, okay. I'm behind already. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I continue to really enjoy the the Magdalene Visaggio, uh, Sunny Lou backup. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting way to introduce this book that we haven't gotten yet that I also don't think I don't get the impression that the book that we end up getting is going to be like this book or like this backup that we're seeing. But maybe like, I feel like this is all going to set up a book that's going to be completely different. Yeah. I think you're right. I could be, 
I could be wrong, but I think it's just a really interesting. Like I'm in, intrigued every week when I read this, and it, it's kind of priming me for a book that I can't wait for. Yeah. All right, boys. Trying to pack up the car, drive to wine country, play some golf. <laughs> And uh, eat some good food at the Hitching Post. Show your penis. Show, no, show uh, <laughs> show Mr. Friendly from Lost's penis. <laughs> and, uh, you know, have some uh, ha- have some, some real solid just Merlot jokes. It's time for Sideways, number one. By Dan DiDio and Justin Jordan. Illustrated by Kenneth Rockefort. I know... Well... Vince, I want to hear what you have to say about this first. <laughs> Why me? <laughs> because I have a feeling you're going to have a different take on this than than maybe I will. Okay. I thought this was extremely okay. <laughs> and what I mean by that is that Part of the discussion surrounding this book appears to be online that, oh, what a Spider-Man ripoff it is. And I'm thinking, like, who gives a shit? <laughs> like, it's not exactly like Spider-Man. And, and I, I don't I, I feel like I shouldn't even be having this discussion because it sounds childish, you know, like. Is the book good or not? I think it's pretty good. Like, yeah. Is, is he a lot like Peter Parker? Sure. You know. Um, does he look similar? Does he have like a similar skill set? Sure. But like at the end of the day, I think this is just a pretty entertaining book that follows the Peter Parker sort of formula kind of with a few of its own little twists. And, um, you know, I thought the story and the script were, were, were just good enough to get me to read the book and enjoy what I think is the best art that Ken Kenneth Rockefeller has ever put down in a comic. Um, that's what I think. I don't know. I don't have. I don't have much more to say about it than that, Zach. What? <laughs> um. Yeah, I I think you know this is easily of the three. Um. New Age of Hero books. This is the the best one so far. Um, this is definitely the the Rockford art is fantastic. Some of his best work. The character does feel really derivative, but I mean, he's also he's kind of fun in his way. Um, he's generically de- derivative. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I like the apparently like cosmic trappings that we're going to get. We get this, um, figure that is really reminiscent of that character from Scott Lobdell and Rockford Superman. You know the one I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, feels like that. I, I don't know. Most of my goodwill for this book is the, like, really teasy promise that Grant Morrison's going to be working on it at some point. So 
Yeah, that's weird to me. That is it weird. is really weird. I don't. I wonder if that's even still going to happen at this point. I wonder if even when they announce that. Uh, go ahead. I wonder if he's going to be able to like cross into other Earths eventually with his powers, and mm. not, and so that's how they're going to work in Morrison. Oh man, that would be really intriguing. That would be something. Yeah, it'd be really cool. But yeah, I like this. I mean, he's not Peter Parker. He's a little bit of like a he. He seems like he's a little bit of a slacker, maybe. See, um, I expected you guys to hate this issue. No, and why? I, why I hate no. it? I kind of enjoyed it. Um, I liked yeah, it. it. Yeah. I don't know why. The, the, I, I just had the this art feeling. Is... That oh, you guys, sorry. That's right. I just had this feeling that you guys were going to be, uh, I guess, more in the it's a Spidey ripoff camp than you were. No, I see. I don't care about that shit. Superhero comics rip one another off all the time. Like no, yeah, constantly. And I'm already like all in for the new age of heroes to just be blatant Marvel ripoffs. <laughs> like I want that. So we have our Hulk. We have our yeah. Spidey. Yeah. We have our Fantastic. We have Four. our Fantastic Four. Um. We have whatever the hell uh, <laughs> Silencer is. Is that like our Punisher? Yeah, I guess so. I guess. Um. Yeah. Here, here, here is how we can come up with the rest of these quickly. What Arrested Development characters are these books? <laughs> <laughs> It's a surefire way to get us to riff for five minutes, so. Sure. Uh, well, Sideways is clearly George Michael. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I think this one's too hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, anything else to say about Sideways? Something, something, Gene Parmesan. Yeah. I just really like the Rockefeller art a lot. He's great. I- I've been a fan of his for years. Have- Do you guys ever check out his... Um... Is art blog? No, I might. Have I used to. A lot of that. I'm too busy reading next week's comics. You assholes. Yeah, I might have. I might have mentioned this in the show before, but he has one. He essentially draws an original sketch every day on his blog. Oh yeah, yeah, it's good. It's real good. Um, yeah. All right, that's that. Next up, Suicide Squad: Drain the Swamp. This was. Did you guys read this? I did. Nope. Zach, no. Well, hang on. Written by Rob Williams, illustrated by Eduardo Pensica. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Donald Trump sucks ass, right? Yeah. Um, obviously. And I, I don't mind when books do, like, politics. I think that's – actually, I think they should, you know? I think we're we're seeing a lot of books right now that are doing, like, white nationalist villains and things like that. Um, but I think it's corny as fuck to literally be like, here's the wall. <laughs> We're draining the swamp. We're making America something again. Safe again. You know? We yeah, used yeah, the word yeah. huge a couple times. Yeah, yeah. Like, I get it. And, you know... 
you you can do that stuff well, I think, but I don't think this is particularly well done. Although I'm, you know, I'm not ever gonna knock anyone for dunking on that asswipe, uh, but yeah, I <laughs> I I just I looked at that cover and I just the drain the swamp thing made me roll my fucking eyes <laughs> out of my head. Yeah. <laughs> well. In case you didn't, in case you hadn't guessed, his name's Damage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting the Task Force XL crossover. You weren't expecting uh, the uh, flawless corporate synergy? <laughs> yep. I wasn't expecting. Well, I was expecting more Waller visiting her family that we don't care about. Yep. On the outside. This issue is like the Hall of Fame of shit no one cares about. It, yeah. It's the the Harley and Rick Flag thing. It's damage. It's Waller's family. It's hack. It's all it's all there. And it spoils the hack shit on the last page from the cover. Yep. You know, uh, yet again another book where. I guess that could have been a surprise reveal, but oh, it's a Van Skyver cover too. Ah, <laughs> to uh, to show you how not expecting damage I was, and honestly, I wasn't expecting it at all. The first shot of damage that we get, like uh, just if you're scrolling down, I thought it was uh, Gorilla Grodd. <laughs> I can yeah. see that. His arms kind of look furry. Yeah. Looks more like the freaking Hulk to me. Well, obviously, but... All right, let's put that unpleasantness out of our mouths with uh, Supergirl, number 18, written by Steve Orlando and Jody Hauser, illustrated by um, Carmen Carnero. And uh, I feel like this issue did some good stuff, but the, the, the conflict ended so quickly and out of the blue. <laughs> the conflict with the evolutionist. Yeah. Oh, I've well, made a I small it... misunderstanding. I must go rethink my life. Exactly. <laughs> I I think it was interesting. I don't know if we'll ever see this character again. But essentially what the character Essentially, the, what the character decided was that because basically the evolutionist is an alien nationalist, right? Yep. Everyone should be like me. And essentially, what <laughs> she realizes is that Supergirl has assimilated. Yep. So it's almost as if the character is like, "Oh, well, you, you you're one of the good ones." <laughs> See, well, I actually read it a little bit less. Like she was almost like an anti-colonialist. More than anything, uh, yeah. it came on. It came across a bit as like xenophobia, but it was also like, like stay like, where you are because we don't want you fucking up our world. Kind of, yeah. I guess it, I guess you could read it both ways. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I guess they, the, I, I, it was. More, I guess like they were the victims of. Okay, you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, you're right. You know what. I think you're more right than I am because I think I think when I read when I read it and I read the words contagion and toxic 
that immediately made me think of the way that people talk about races other than themselves if they're huge racist assholes, you know? Uh-huh. This, this <laughs> so, was more like yes. Europeans coming and spreading syphilis, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're right. You're right. Yep. See, see, it's possible to have your mind changed <laughs> very quickly <laughs> on the internet. Yeah. Uh, good for Kara for getting some uh, some beach nookie. Oh yeah, more than I got. <laughs> oh boy! All right, let's talk about the Flash number forty. Uh, Perfect Storm, written by Josh Williamson, illustrated by Carmine Digio Domenico. Um, we get we get actual Gorilla Grodd here, not fake yes. Gorilla Grodd. Uh, <laughs> and uh, this issue had had like all the speedsters in it. It had both Wallys, it had Barry, it had Mina, it had the Flash of the Justice League of China. Um, yeah, and. Uh, it was flash porn, basically. Yeah, um, I Grodd love... is losing his shit. Yeah, yeah, Grodd is dying, and he wants the, the Speed Force to heal him. And uh, he reads Barry's mind, and essentially says that Barry is a loser. And uh, Barry gets a little butt hurt, but eventually they Barry loses the Speed Force, but proclaims Wally West the new Flash, the, the Wally the Elder. Um, Mm-hmm. What do you guys think <laughs> of that? Uh, I liked it. Um, I don't know if we talked about this the last time in the previous issue, but I really do like how Williamson has kind of reframed like Barry's whole inner monologue thing throughout this whole series as a plot point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. You mean really about like that. what literally like, goes through like, his mind while he's, yeah, yeah, like how running so fast, know, yeah. Um, I, I like that about this arc, um, and yeah, anytime. I mean, I love anytime legacy characters get to, you know supplant their their um predecessor in any oh, way so that gave me the big eggplant emoji yeah 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 it also feels for the first time like in this book wally matters you know wally showed up a few times in this book but really has been very inconsequential when showing up in the flash proper so this is the first time it feels like williamson is really giving him his due as a as a supporting character for barry yeah, and that's interesting. I think we we interviewed Williamson early on in this, I think. Yeah, before maybe even before the first arc was over? It might have been, yeah. And we asked him about Wally West and he said I'm not he said I'm not going to touch Wally f- for a little while, but I have plans for him. I and at the time I didn't think that it would take 40 issues right to get to that, but I th- I think this is probably what he was talking about then. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I I know we had our fears about Wally not maybe sticking around, 
But I think no, the, I didn't. When I say we, I kind of mean the collective, like comics internet. I don't mean the three oh. necessarily. I mean people were were people felt like you know Wally was going to be a minor character coming back, and I I always felt like if they were going to bring him back, they were going to bring him back in a big way. Right. And so I'm glad that yeah. he's sticking around. Yeah, I don't know. I was really afraid when they killed him, but because <laughs> you know all deaths are permanent, of course. Mm-hmm. Just look at Amanda Waller. Yep. That's Thor, the hell I'm going to die on. That's the joke I'm going to die on. <laughs> Thor, Odinson, Tony Stark, none of them are mm-hmm. ever coming back Yep. to their own title with a number one. Make oh. Avengers great again? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Uh, let's talk about the Wildstorm Michael Cray, number five, uh, written by Brian Hill. Illustrated by N. Stephen Harris with breakdowns by, you guessed it, Larry Hama. Um, oh, that Larry Hama. Doing more work for DC now than he ever has in his whole career, it seems. <laughs> um, Zach, did you read this? I did. What did you think? It was, it was fine. Brian, what did you think? I enjoyed this issue a lot. Really? Yeah, I did. See, I don't, I don't understand because I feel like we've been, we've been talking about this book, and I've been high on like the first four issues. I like you first, guys. No, no, I like the first four issues. Uh, I always feel like you guys are lukewarm on it. No, Zach is definitely lukewarm on it. I'm always crazy lukewarm on it. <laughs> okay, I was extremely lukewarm on this issue. Really? I felt like it half-assed some stuff. Okay, first of all, Craig keeps a cigar lit for like half the issue. <laughs> Respect to not, that. N- not that. Okay. Um, there is there is the most amazing O-face in this comic, though. <laughs> nut face, you mean. Oh, yeah, sorry, nut face, I'm sorry. We have, we have to, we we have to pay our, Mike Judge if we say yeah, O-face. That is true, so. we have to keep our branding uh, good as well. It's on page nine of the PDF, it's when there's... This couple that is sad that that their daughter just sacrificed herself, but the the dude's face though is yeah. If he's thinking of her sacrifice and making that face, I... bless. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I um, I felt like this was the first of the three because so far we've had you know two issues of the Flash and two issues of Green Arrow. This is the first uh character that. They felt totally different than its than its origin, you know. Mm-hmm. The the Oliver Queen character was just like a slight tweaking of sort of who Ollie is when, especially look looked at through a negative light. And the Barry thing was kind of similar. This Arthur Curry is totally different than the Arthur Curry we know. I'm I'm also a sucker for these like um, communities that choose to live in the past. Uh, insert joke about the village here um uh, yeah i yeah i like this issue a lot i uh i would maybe disagree with this being like i i thought that the so i actually i think when we talked about it i actually had forgotten to read issue number four but i went back and read it and prep for this issue and i actually ended up liking that issue a considerable bit and wasn't that high on this issue um, I thought that that take on Barry was 
a good deal different. And this is this is different in that this is you know what this is like. This is like Ultimate Thor, oh. only as like a weird cannibalistic murderer. Um, because I like I don't know I I remember if I'm remembering correctly like when Ultimate Thor came out it was like oh he thinks he's a Norse god but maybe he is I don't know and this is very much you know oh he thinks he's an Atlantean god but he also just made himself this way mm-hmm. it feels like that to me okay I, I, I kind of dig the concept I like the horror aspect to it I just mostly don't like understand what the point of this series is still. Yeah. That's a fair I, uh, the the one one thing I want to point out and, and it'll I don't have anything more to say than this is <laughs> just the whole like Hey, we're uh, here in Amnesty Bay as uh, scientists from uh, yeah Harvard. That's yeah. the ticket. Yep. Like, like that whole th- and and I know that they probably let him let them in as like like they knew that they were full of shit. Right. So they let they let him in as and went along with the pretense. But it felt like you could have just discarded all of that and just like just cut the bullshit because like you're <laughs> it just seems like a really flimsy. You know, like in order for them to get clearance to come and do like studies at at this place coming from Harvard, don't you think there would have been like an extensive background check done or like a little bit more? It seems like they just show up and they're like, "Uh, yeah, we're from Harvard. (laughs) You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. It's fine, though. I'm not not going to get. I'll twist it up about it. Okay. I'm I I still like this book. I just this the issue was kind of like it felt really light, you know. Was... I I will say this. I I think that of all of these arcs, the second issue is better than the first. Mm. Mm-hmm. So so we'll see what happens next month. Yeah, I think that's true. All right, that brings us to Titans number twenty, written by Dan Abnett and illustrated by Paul Pelletier. <laughs> Uh, so what did you guys think of the Titans starring in the Muppets Take Manhattan? <laughs> Zach, go ahead. I can't top that. <laughs> they like they split up and they're sad about it, but they're still keeping in touch and they're uh they know the show will get together one day. All that's left is for like Dick to be hit by a car and get amnesia, and uh, you know start working for a law firm of people whose names rhyme with his. Yeah, advertising wow. firm. Advertising firm. Sorry. Yeah, you're going deep on this, man. I could, I, I could, I could go deeper. I'm, I'm, I'm sparing you guys some hot takes on the Muppets Take Manhattan. At what point does uh, Jason Siegel show up to bring years, them all back together? Twenty years later. 20 years later. All right. All right. Does he show his penis when he shows up? Probably. Probably. 
Does 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 Miss Piggy ever leave the lizard alone? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. Uh, this issue was fine. Not that much happens in it. Uh, I feel like it was a waste of Paul Pelletier's talents. I still wish Roy would take his fucking hat off now and then. <laughs> so Roy's messing around at a drug lab. Nothing could possibly go wrong there, right? Right. And and nobody could have seen Cheshire uh, betraying him yeah. in the end. Do you want to hear oh. the horrible thought that ran through my head? Oh, no. In this issue? So he oh. gets, you know, they uh, they eat the rubbery pizza. The pizza makes a comeback, right? <laughs> And then they uh, and then they get down, and I was like, "Oh, they just conceived their daughter that will one day die." <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You're not wrong. No, you know the international sign for conception is like fingernails dragging across <laughs> a naked back. So I thought it was a train going into a tunnel. <laughs> well, if you're living in the 1940s, maybe. <laughs> or a rocket, yeah. rocket blasting off. A mouse going into a mouse hole. <laughs> a uh, a geyser <laughs> erupting. Yeah. A uh, game of whack-a-mole, but it's just focusing on the one hole and the one mole. A giant penis. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. Um, I also wanted to mention that it's really weird that we got, uh, um, Mala and the Brain again. Yeah. Yeah. Twice in a couple weeks. It's, does, is, so, how does this work in big two comics? Like, do, it really seems like when a character gets featured somewhere, all of a sudden they're able to pop up in these other books. Do they do they go to like Dan DiDio on their like hands and knees and say, "Please, Mister DiDio, we would like to use Mansoor Mala," and he goes, "Sure, all right," but you got to put him in six books. I wonder if it's more like, "Hey, we haven't used this character in a while. We need somebody to volunteer to use him." And, and two hands go up. Yeah. <laughs> I would think, and that's it, how Tom King and Tim Seeley accidentally got hired to write the same book. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would think it's more of like people forget about the character, and then they mm-hmm. say, "Oh shit, they're gonna be in Young Monsters in Love. I want to use them too." Yeah, you know, um, that's collusion. Yes, it is. Um, Zach, any thoughts on this? Mm, I like the art. That's about it. And I only kind of like the art. <laughs> I do like Paul Pelletier. I like the way that he draws a face, you know? Mm-hmm. A lot of character there. I do want to say, though, uh, this is an important detail in the DC3 lore. They did not order from, uh, what's is it, Pizza Fish? <laughs> it's from know. Romeo's Pizza. Oh, uh, only to... Brett Booth can draw a pizza fish. That is true. Shout out <laughs> to Multiversity say... podcaster uh, Mike Romeo. It's his pizza place. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, this is a huge opportunity, missed opportunity to have Brett Booth draw pizza. I'm really disappointed. (laughs) It's like Dan Abnett wrote the script ahead of time thinking it was going to be Brett Booth drawing it. And then it's like, oh, dang, this is a Peltier issue. All right, guys, I'm, I'm making a promise to you right now. If Brett Booth is at NYCC this year, I will pay him to do a pizza commission. Oh, my God. It's got to be you eating it. Yes, it has to be me eating a piece. I, I, I want it as rubbery as you can do it. Oh, man. That's the ticket right there. Yeah. All right. On to our <sighs> final issue of the week. Wonder Woman, number 40, written by James Robinson, illustrated by Emmanuel Lipichino and Carmen Carnera, again, making a uh, repeat appearance. Carnero. It's a Carnera. Carnero. Um, Carnero. Yeah, we get uh, Jason going bye-bye for a while. We get uh, a uh, the end of the Silver Swan thing. We get a boring issue. Doesn't do anything. Yeah, what this is, is a sack happening? of... This is a sack of crap, basically. <laughs> this... <sighs> man... James Robinson is writing Wonder Woman, Superman, and Trinity. Yeah. What happened? Why? Uh, because I, I really think he's just, at this point in his career, for whatever reason, he is just, like, DC needs to kill time between big stories. Mm-hmm. And so, like, here, take Wonder Woman for six months. Who cares? But it's longer than six months. Is it going to be? Yeah. The new solicits past six months now. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're in month five right now. Because this is issue 40, right? He started with 31. So, no, that's that's month two and a half. No. No, sorry. sorry, 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 Per month, it's been 10 issues. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... We're five months in, and he's, like, going at least, like, there's a new story arc starting in May... He's in it for the long haul. I wonder if the Bendis thing took DC by surprise and they don't want to roll out all these new initiatives at the same time. And so if, like, you know, um, between the Bendis thing and Doomsday Clock getting pushed back, and so that's why you're seeing, like, in May we're getting Justice League. In June we're starting with Superman. Maybe in July we'll start with Wonder Woman. You know, something like that. Maybe, yeah. It's just, it's surprising that it's, going this long especially with i don't know it's not good and i want i want james robinson to be good you know like i want him to come back to dc and write good books but this has been dreadful yeah i I mean superman wasn't superman wasn't bad Mm. it wasn't great no it wasn't great i had a few moments I, I think the biggest thing is right now he's not telling his own stories. Right. I agree with that. Um, by the way, so he had to tell Jason's story, which may not have been his own story, but, like, they clearly did not. They should have just left Jason in limbo because he is such a nothing character. I ho- And I hope that this leaves him in limbo now. 
Yeah. No, nothing he did in this arc, uh, none of it was earned. You know, this letter that he writes Diana at the end, none of that was earned. Nothing he's talking about feels real, you know? Yeah. Well, boys, this is probably a conversation better have off-air, but here we are. Are we going to talk about Shade the Changing Man this week, or is it just too late and we're too tired? We can go real quick. All right, let's not I even think. take a break, then. So th- this week we read uh, Shade the Changing Man, issues four, five, and six. Um, Vince, this is your pick. Talk about what you thought about these issues first. Yeah, so the I think we were surprised last time that the, the series kicks off with this... Um, sort of uh grisly sort of mur- murder prison escape crime issue as sort of shades introduction to earth right and mm-hmm. then the next couple issues were very much centered on the kennedy assassination and sort of the decay of the the american image or the image of what america is uh and that continues into these into 4 5 and 6 the stuff about the American scream and the degradation of America. But um, so we were surprised at how everything kicked off, but now issue four was more or less a reintroduction. Well, at least the beginning of a reintroduction to rack shade as we know him, you know, Mm -hmm. as the poet from meta wearing the madness cloak um, it's a very slow sort of reintroduction of this old, uh, uh, oh, who did the original shade? Um, help me out here. It was, uh, Ditko, right? It's, mm, it's like so, way yeah. back, way back when. So it's, it's, it's sort of, it's sort of beginning to meld Dick Ditko's original, like, vision of the character and some of the original I mean this is not that book here's here's my big question Uh what if the hurricane's name is Ditko (laughs) a baker's dozen Bob (laughs) some Polish sausage (laughs) sorry that's Uh, alright yeah so that's issue four so that's that's getting shade back to kind of the the you know if you've read any shade in like the new 52 when he's shown up or any you know shade at all sort of once it gets to be a proper proper book here i mean we're talking about 70 issues right so um i mean the, that that issue even serves a bit as a prequel for shade the changing girl like it, it just establishes meta in a way we haven't seen yet yeah yep and uh, and then five and six are kind of a, five and six are really similar to the the Kennedy issues, yes. mm-hmm. except they're examining like Hollywood essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I think the perspective, I think when people think of the degradation of Hollywood or, like, of America, they think of, like, a moral decay. And that's definitely that's definitely what you get here. But I think it's also interesting how there's, like, 
economic aspects talked about. And any of the moral decay is not like the basic stuff. We're, they're talking about like the exploitation of children and things like that. Yeah. You know? Um, and yeah, it's really, I, I love the way so far that this book continues. I don't know whether this is a, a something that continues throughout the 70 issues of the vertigo run on this series, but I love the way that it is examining America and like really old school America. Like so a lot of the imagery, especially in issue six are like some throwback American stuff like cowboys and um, like 1950, like the 1950s vision of a leather biker type greaser, right. you know, yeah, sort of examining America or Americana again by by a Brit writer. I think it. Where's Chris Bacalo from? Do we know that? I don't know. It does. It does. That part doesn't really matter. But but I just I think it continues to be this. Really inter- Canadian. Okay, so he's got something against America too. So, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But uh, it just continues to be this really fascinating examination of some old school American tropes and some really gritty stuff that feels appropriate for '90s Vertigo. Um, and we haven't even gotten to like really some of the some of the sh- rack shade meta mythology yet you know we've just got a taste of it and we're six issues in it it really makes me think as i'm reading it like what are what were people at the time who were reading this book what did they think of it you know yeah it must have been so weird at the like it's weird now but like at at the time it must have been like what the fuck is going on you know (laughs) um I just think it, I'm really fascinated by it way more than I even thought I would be. And I was really, I was excited to dig into it and I'm even more so. Um, but I, I'm talking too much. What, what do you, what did you guys think of these? Zach, go ahead. Um, so I really liked issue four a lot. Um, I really liked how it kind of wrapped up the whole Kennedy or the first part of the Kennedy arc. I thought it was really satisfying. Good good cap on that arc going into issue five and six i had a little bit more trouble um getting into it i guess i don't i don't know what it was something about that transition um i don't know it just didn't grab me the way that the first arc did yeah i, can, I still I, thought it was good but but yeah what i can see say? that well I, I was gonna say i can see where you're coming from because Issue four really does feel like it's putting that initial weirdness to bed where Shade is kind of like feeling his way through the power of the coat and learning how to control it and everything. And I think, speaking for myself, I expected that at the end of issue four where he kind of reestablishes his classic image, I kind of figured that going forward we would get into more of what makes shade shade as a character and then it went right back to this um american hollywood exploitation stuff and i i don't know if that's what you mean but i definitely i definitely felt a little bit of that even though i really did enjoy the the hollywood stuff 
Yeah. Yeah. See, um, one of the things I think is really interesting about the book thus far is that almost all of the issues open on something other than the characters that you expect it to open on. You know, it, it reminds me a little bit, I don't know if either of you guys watched Six Feet Under, the show mm. that it was on. Like, every episode of Six Feet Under begins with a death that is then somehow, like, part of the show's mythology for that hour. Like, it, that show took place at a, at a funeral home, so most of the time it was a death. It was who was going to be laid out in the funeral home that week. But what it always did was it always kind of, it, it gave the writers a chance to set the tone of the, of the episode without directly involving the characters. And I feel like all of these, like especially the opening to issue five, really feels like um, Milligan just like using these characters to uh, to set the tone for the sh- for the episode for the, the the issue he wants to tell, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like that technique, but I also feel like if if you're if you want to find out more about if you're really invested in the Rack Shade story, it can feel like a little bit of a detour you don't want to take. Yeah, that that's definitely kind of how I felt, at least about the the early part of issue five for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Um, talking about Chris Bacalo's art a little bit, um, I love the way. I feel like his style is really malleable in these issues. He can do like the classic uh, silver screen Hollywood type imagery right alongside something incredibly like weird and avant-garde. Um, and I think he sells both equally well. His faces can be really like really literal and really like uh, objective and then at times he can go into really impressionistic versions of people's emotions and things like that. Um, it's a hard book to draw because, oh, because, yeah. because there's this like always malleable line between reality and madness. Yeah. And so he has to be willing to do pretty much anything. Yeah. I mean, this it's it it had to be really painstaking work some of this stuff yeah and i mean it is kind of interesting comparing it to you know the work in say shade the changing girl this week that i don't think ever even it's even when dealing with very mundane concepts it never felt this grounded or any, you know what I mean? I, sure. I don't think the book yeah. has ever felt this grounded um, in reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a really good point. I think it speaks to different eras of comics too. You know, like mm-hmm. this, you could look at this and know that it was probably a '90s Vertigo book, even yeah. if you didn't didn't know that. And she had the Changing Girl has a style that's very much more of the contemporary sort of uh, indie is probably too generic a, a term, but like, you know what I'm saying? Yes. It's, it's, it's of a more modern style that you would expect to see in like an offbeat Marvel or DC or image comic. 
Um, it's it's not like Bakalov's work here is gritty in a way that was very, very nineties uh, vertigo underground type, going for that feel. Mm-hmm. One of my complaints with. And it's not a DC thing, it's just a modern comics thing. I feel like the scope of what is published every month in terms of artistic differentiation, that I feel like if you look at comics published in 1990, you had Dan Jurgens stuff, you also had Chris Bacalow stuff, you also had, it was just so much more of a wider palette of, of styles. Uh, even though they were still obviously dominant styles, like you know the Image, the Image 7 guys, like they were... They were the dominant style of the time, but I feel like that's totally different than this, which is totally different than Jurgens, which is totally different than, you know, um, you know, John Romita. There was, mm-hmm. there, was, there was there was a real variety of styles now, whereas I feel like now there's a lot... I think the artist, artistic, artistic talent is better now, but I don't know if the style that the big two are putting out every month are, is, is as varied as it was then. Yeah. I think in Rebirth, DC has gotten away from what you would, what we would call like house style, where they're using these same fill-in artists to kind of give a samey. Right. I just think, I, I think it's less house style and more uh, a lack of real stylistic range. You know, yeah, like exactly. Like they don't, they're not, they're they're not all going for the same line work look or the same, you know. But but nobody's so off the wall that they're like. Remember a couple of years back, Marvel was doing. Alice brought this up today on on Twitter with all the Marvel announcements. But um, Marvel was having some like indie artists come and do some really interesting books at Marvel, and the visual range from you know the top to bottom of their line was really wide yeah that's that only last that only lasted like trad more doing stuff yeah exactly trad more and um yeah that's i can walsh started doing stuff for them yeah there there were just books with david aha you know mm-hmm. um just a range of styles and dc especially dc proper is there a book you can point to and and say like, wow, that's really a different different style? I don't know. Juan Ferreira drawing Green Arrow is pretty different. But... Yeah, I would say Dexter Soy on um, Red Hood occasionally does something that's a little bit outside the box. Yeah, but there's nothing so like weird and and rangy that right. like when Mike when Mike Allred comes in and draws a an issue of something that's like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> this is really different for DC, you know, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are we, are we going to read uh, seven through 10? Well, um, I, if, if you guys want to, otherwise I'm, I'm happy to switch to something else. If you think we're, we're kind of done here, I'm going to keep reading myself, but uh, if you guys think you've seen, enough at this point we can move on zach what do you think i'm i'm down for either 
I guess I'm up next to pick, aren't yeah, I? Yeah, do you, do you have your I pick? I haven't given, no, I haven't given it any thought. All right, so, so, so let's I'll... finish out the 7 through 10, and then we'll go from there. Yep. All right, Sounds cool. good. Well, thanks for listening, folks. We appreciate it, as always. You can uh, find us at multiversitycomics.com, doing all sorts of fun comics writing about various different things. Vince and Zach often do some manga reviews for us. Zach has the Manga Club podcast. Um, and yeah, go to multiversitycomics.com, check us out. You can also follow all three of us on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs an App. I'm at Vince Ostrowski. I'm at SirFox89. And we'll be back next week with more DC3 casts. So until next time, uh, ask that special Artemis out on a date in your life. It's you, Brian. Oh. <laughs> Zach, your pop pop. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. I die for you. <laughs> Thank you, pal. <laughs>